Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Psalm 119 and reading for our text, verse 175. Psalm 119 and verse 175. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee and let thy judgments help me. Psalm 119 and verse 175. The request, the desire, let my soul live. And though we said that we wouldn't do more on the series, the way, really what is set before us this evening is the way of life. And we know that the way of life is referred to, especially in the book of Proverbs. We have in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17, He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. And then we have in chapter 15, in verse 24, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. And so the word clearly does set forth the way of life and really the whole of the gospel is a way that leads from hell, from death, from the sentence of death to life and that eternal life. But in taking the word this evening, we have it as a petition and seeing the effect upon a sinner, those that are seeking for life. Now we know that in the word sometimes when we have the word soul, it means both body and soul, that person. If you're thinking... Uh, of how many souls were in a ship or uh, something like that. You, you were talking of the whole person. But our Lord came to redeem and to save his people and that involves saving their souls and saving their bodies as well. There shall be the redemption of both of them, the soul of the redeemed, that death shall return immediately to God and the flesh shall return to dust, but at the last day be resurrected again and given a new, uh, an incorruptible body. And so both are redeemed. Now, in the portion that we read in Isaiah, Isaiah 38, we have just in that one passage the emphasis on the two ways of life. We have Hezekiah who is sick. And one would hope when one is sick that when the Lord's servant comes and has a message from the Lord that it is that there will be healing, there will be restoring. But instead, Isaiah brings the word that 
Hezekiah is to set his house in order, for he shall die and not live. And this then was a very critical time. Hezekiah was captain of the Lord's host, his people, Judah, at a time when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, that great nation who had subdued all the nations round about Judah, was attacking Judah. And there was any time they needed their king to be healthy and strong, it was at this time. Also, there was no uh, yet seed to the line of Christ. Hezekiah was in the line of Christ and as yet he did not have a son. If he was to die then, then there would be no line. That line would be broken. We have a reminder here that though we have a word from the Lord given to Hezekiah that he should die, Hezekiah does not take that and just say, well, that, that's the word of the Lord. There's nothing that can be done about it. He turns to the Lord and he prays and he cries and he makes supplication to the Lord. And there's a real reminder of this. There are some times when the Lord clearly tells us something, then we should be submissive to him. But when it is an issue of life and death, when it is an issue of great importance, then we may go back to the Lord. Joseph and Mary did that when they were coming back from Egypt after they had fled with uh, baby Jesus because of Herod. Uh, when they were coming back, Herod had died, but then his son they heard was reigning in his stead, and so they feared to go back into Israel and so then being warned of God they turned to the coast of Galilee and so we have the same with David when he and his men were fleeing from Saul and they went to deliver the Keilah from men of Keilah from the Philistines because the Philistines were robbing the threshing floors so it had ended up with David and his men in a city with bars and gates. And Saul heard it and said that now they were shut in and he would uh, take them. Well, David knew that Saul practiced mischief against him and so he asked of the Lord two things. Will Saul come? And if he comes, will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? The Lord answered one first. He said, yes, Saul will come. So David had to go again and ask, what about the second part of the petition? Will the men of Keilah deliver me up? Yes, they will, said the Lord. So David, he took warning and he fled and his men out of Keilah. So Saul didn't go when he heard that he'd escaped and the men of Keilah didn't deliver him up. So you might say, well, the word of the Lord didn't come to pass. But it would have come to pass if David had not have heeded the warning and had stayed in Keilah. Or if he'd have said in a fatalistic way, well, Saul is going to come, I'm going to be delivered up, this is my end, this is what I must be submissive to. 
But he took warning. This is a difference between fatalism and election. Those that are elect, those that are God's people, will heed warnings. It is like it was with uh, the men of Nineveh. When Jonah brought the message, in 40 days the city would be destroyed, there was not much promise of life in that. And yet they said, who can tell? But God will turn and repent. And so they humbled themselves and repented of their evil ways. And the Lord did turn and the Lord didn't destroy them. And so we have the case here with Hezekiah. And may it be uh, in cases, our own cases, where we may feel that the Lord has determined a certain thing and we realise the gravity, the importance of it and we go back to the Lord and we beg of him like Hezekiah to turn and to change and to have mercy and here we have Hezekiah obtaining that which he prayed for. The Lord added to his years 15 years. And also he said that he would deliver, I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city. The Lord gave not only life to Hezekiah but a real deliverance, remarkable deliverance to Judah at this time as well. What an encouragement this passage is to us, to encourage us to go back to the Lord because Hezekiah got even more than his life, didn't he? Really he got the life of all of Judah. Well, They were delivered from the Assyrians. But that was his, his body. He was given to not go down to the grave at this time. Of course, later he was, but he was given his life. But what else was going on at this time? Was it just outward life? Was that all he was concerned about? Was that all what the life that Hezekiah had? No, Hezekiah was a godly man, one of the Lord's dear people, and that which he had said reminded the Lord was true. He had served the Lord. He had cleansed the temple. He had done that which was good in the sight of the Lord. Yes, we know Hezekiah, like all of us, we're sinners and there's sin mixed with all that we do. We, we cannot in that sense plead uh, our own righteousness. But the Lord is good to those that do obey and do serve him and Hezekiah in that sense was right uh, to remind the Lord of what he had done but then we read about the writing of Hezekiah when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness and in that writing we have a little view a bit like we have in the Psalms the Psalms we have what's going on in the soul. Very often in the books of the kings or Samuel, we might read of what is going on outside, like Psalm 34, when David feared for his life, when Abimelech, uh, they recognised him as the one that had killed Goliath. And he was the captain of the Philistines. David feared for his life, rightly so. So he made out that he was sick. 
But then we read in Psalm 34 what was going on in his soul. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And so you see, with the people of God, there is what others see, what can be recorded of what is happening in their lives, and then what others don't see, what is going on in their souls. Their souls are alive. They're alive unto God. There's breathings there. There's cries there. There's sighs there. There's the life of God in the soul. And so he says here uh, that by these things, in verse 16, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. And so, uh, and then he goes on, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. And so it is very clear here, this has touched his soul, this has worked for good, this has been a affliction that he could join with the psalmist and say it is good for me that I was afflicted before I was afflicted I went astray but now have I kept thy word or that these afflictions these tribulations have worked together for good so we have in this passage the life of the body and the life of the soul and we have Hezekiah asking of the Lord life and asking of life in the soul and seeking that as well. So when we come to the words of our text and then we have the psalmist saying, let my soul live and it shall praise thee and let thy judgments help me. Here we have one who also values the soul and values the life of the soul and makes it a matter of prayer. Truly, the way of life is that which all of God's people go, not the way of death, those that go down into the pit, but they're brought by the grace of God to know the way of life. They know what it is to be in the day of grace. And really God's dear people are immortal until they are called by grace. They cannot die until the Lord quickens them because it is only while there is life there is hope. There is no hope beyond the grave. No, the work must be done. Eternal life must be given here below. And so the soul is then asking for life. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. Now you wouldn't think really with the psalm like this, beautiful psalm 119, such breathing, such godliness, that it would end in such a way like this. And even the last verse, I have gone astray like a lost sheep, seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. How dependent the psalmist was on the keeping of the Lord, of the giving of life and maintaining of the life of the soul. So I want to look this evening briefly at three points. 
Firstly, there's the request here. And the request is, let my soul live. And secondly, there is an anticipated result. And that is, let my soul live and it shall praise thee. And then lastly, the means of hell requested. And let thy judgments help me. There are those things he's asking that might work for good and help in the giving of life and giving of praise. But firstly, the request, let my soul live. Let me be very clear that all we, by nature, are dead in trespasses and sins. Our soul is part of the condemnation that was brought upon Adam and to all his race in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In due season they died physically. Many of those, Adam, they lived 900 years. But spiritually they died straight away, banished from the Garden of Eden, banished from communion and fellowship with God, and that life of God, the life of union, fellowship, and be able to know the things of God that cease. We are dead. A natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We are dead in trespasses and in sins. Now, we may have those that hear the word of God and hear it preached and they understand in, the, in a natural way uh, that they are dead, uh, that they are spiritually dead. They don't feel dead. They don't know what it is to be dead in trespasses and sins. The dead know not anything. But they just know that there is something that the Church of God knows and they don't know, that there is that which is required and they don't know what it is to experience that. And so for such a one to pray this prayer, let my soul live. Now very often the first signs of life are that desire for life. And may we not ever restrain prayer, restrain asking because of the thought that, well, maybe I'm not one of God's children. Remember what we said of Hezekiah? He knew what it was to lose his life. He knew what was at stake. And so he made his petitions. And if we really understand what is at stake, maybe we have to come before the Lord and say, I hear I hear the worth of our soul, I hear about eternity, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it weighs upon me. I don't feel the importance like I feel I should. I don't feel that urgency in prayer like I should. But nevertheless, let my soul live. Let my soul live. Let it not be just dead. Especially this 
prayer will be suitable when the Lord does quicken a soul into life and the first things that they feel are their deadness, their distance from the Lord, their hardness of heart, their lack of grace. They're feeling the condition. It's like light shining into a dark room, discovering all of what's in it. And that soul for the first time seeing the state and condition. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said that I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. I died. In his own feelings, he died. So what is he going to ask for? Life. He feels now the death. He feels the sentence of death. He feels the condemnation of the law of God. He asks, where is the deliverance from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So when the Lord begins, then there will be that feeling and sense of death. This is the prayer that that soul needs. Let my soul live. It is the Lord that is to answer such a petition. Now, how is the Lord to do it? Well, we know that the Lord's coming to this world, taking on him into union with his divine person, the seed of Abraham, is the first step in making souls to live. A near kinsman, one that was made like unto his brethren, but sin accepted, to come to live a perfect life that they couldn't live, to then endure the wrath of God, to pay the penalty, what they couldn't pay, but what they owed, to redeem his people, to set them free by the payment of a price. What was done by a Lord and Saviour at Calvary, Jerusalem, was done so that he could give his people life. I am come that they might have life, and have it more abundantly. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. And the reason why he can give that life is because he has died, and he has died that he might then be able to rise again from the dead and to give his people life. So, there is this way that this prayer can be answered. Let my soul live. All that are quickened into life by the Holy Spirit, all whose prayer is answered in this way, they're all quickened because the Lord Jesus Christ has died and risen again. There is no other life. We sung of it in our first hymn. He is the giver of life and our life hangs upon his rising from the dead. Let my soul live so our Lord dies and lives again. And this is the only way 
that this prayer can or really must be answered. This is the gospel. This is the good news of salvation. That for all who live to feel their need, to feel their death, to feel their poverty, to feel their need of life, they are to ask of the Lord that life. But I want to think of it as well for those of us that have walked many years in the way. Our Lord was very clear in this that we cannot keep alive our own soul. And he told the parable of the vine that the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. And it is vital that we continue to receive life from the fountain head from our Lord Jesus Christ if we are to have life in our own souls. We cannot think that we can just go on independent, separate from the Lord, serving sin, serving flesh, grieving the Holy Spirit and still have life in our souls. You know, David, when he sinned in the matter of Bathsheba and Uriah, was brought so low and his prayer was, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He desired that life again might be given and might be felt in his soul. Now we, we make it very clear, God's dear people, they never lose that life that once is given. It is eternal life. But they lose the sense of it, the sweetness of it, the emotions in the soul, the, the, the joy of it. And so he, he prays, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And so he is uh, praying that the Lord will cleanse him, cleanse him from his iniquity, cleanse him from his sins and make him to know that truth in the inward part. And so for all of us, when we get low, when we get far off, when we're backsliding, or as Bunyan puts it, when we're in Bypath Meadow, when we're in Doubting Castle, when we're in the Slough Despond, when we feel so lifeless, what a suitable prayer is this. Let my soul live. It's a blessed thing to feel the emotions of life in the soul. The breathings of prayer, exercise of soul, communion with God, fellowship with him and with his people, tender conscience, a teachable spirit, feeding upon the word of God, delighting in the word of God, delighting in the Lord's ways, anticipating heaven, sweet assurance of being his and being with him when time shall be no more, the life of God bubbling up within. It's a very sweet and blessed thing to feel that life instead of hard and cold and prayerless and feeling no relish for the things of God and no appetite for the word of God and a distaste for the fellowship of God's people and seldom at the throne of grace and 
cumbered about with much serving and other things, but anything but being with the Lord. And a soul in that state and condition may remember former times of joy and closeness with the Lord and a real delight in the things of God. You may read the word and read over passages or lines of a hymn that were once very sweet, very precious, that softened the heart, drew tears, that filled the heart with love, and now all seems hard and cold, and the Lord far off. Let my soul live. What a suitable prayer that this is for us. And really, it is a soul longing for the way of life, not the ways of death, but to be in the way of spiritual life and really feel the Lord has given life and we have that eternal life, not by just knowing it, but by feeling it, bubbling up within. So I want to look then at the uh, second point, which is an anticipated result. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Why would the psalmist think that if his soul lived, it would result in praise to the Lord. Well, certainly, if in the case of the psalmist, and I believe some of us here, if not all of us here, that we have known what it is when the Lord has given us life and blessed our souls, it has immediately resulted in our praising God. It is returned to God who has given that praise, given that life. It returns to him with praise, with thanksgiving. And we have proved it. We have known of that effect. You think of the many that were healed, many that were blessed when our Lord was on earth and they returned. They gave glory to God. They gave praise unto the Lord. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. It will always be the fruit and the effect. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. It is the praise of the Lord. We think of Psalm 107. They fell down, there was none to help. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. And then again, it is praise to the Lord at each time. And so in a way, this is a a sweet token of the receipt of life, spiritual life. You might have come this evening, Lord, give me a token for good. Give me a token that I have eternal life. Give me a token that I have known that life. And remember, that life is eternal life. Well, can we look back? Remember times when our hearts were filled with with praise, with joy, with thankfulness. 
The hymn writer says, My heart will move at thy command. You know, on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, we read when the word was with power, the Holy Spirit fell, then they were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were speaking of the wonderful works of God. They were speaking of praising the Lord. When the children of Israel you know, came through the Red Sea, when they were pictured there in heaven, they are singing the song of Moses and they are praising the Lord. A living soul in the receipt of life from him this will be the anticipated result. Now, look at it in this way. We've come to the house of God and we feel no praise. We feel hard and cold and we wonder at the Lord's goodness sometimes and we do feel thankful and do feel to, to praise but it soon goes down. The devil will say there's no hope or that you're not one of the Lord's people. But our text will say there is hope. The Lord has life to give. He can enliven you again. He can refresh your soul. And when he gives life again, then you will praise. And then you will sing. You know, those that were in captivity in Babylon, they required of them a song. They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But when they were delivered, then were we like them that dream. Then was their praise. Then there was gladness. It's a good thing. Where from experience we can anticipate the effect of the blessing of the Lord. The effect of the life of God in the soul. The hymn writer says, Oh, the happiness arising from the life of God within when the soul is realising conquests over death and sin. Hymn 735. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Whenever the Lord blesses, he blesses with a purpose. He blesses with an end in view. And at last all of his dear people, all quickened into life from death, maintained in life, shall be in heaven with him, and they shall praise him to all eternity, enjoying that eternal life in its fullness, and their employment shall be praise. So may we have, when we have prayers, when we offer our prayers, especially in this way, that we anticipate something of what the answer will be what shall be the effect when we are watching for the answer to come well i want to look thirdly at the means of help requested the psalmist said and let thy judgments help me you could look upon this in two ways let them help me in answering this petition and giving life to my soul and let thy judgments also help me in praising the Lord. Now if we go back to Hezekiah and Hezekiah then in full of praise 
and for the deliverance of their armies from Sennacherib. He's been given his life. He's had his sins cast behind his back. But what has been used? God's judgments. First he was sick. He brought that sickness. The Lord judged that he should be sick. Who then brought his healing, the Lord. Who did all these things? All these things that he walked through. Who brought them? The Lord brought from tribulation, from trial, from a very dark time. He brought a great deliverance and wonderful blessing. Hezekiah could say, Thy judgments on Judah, on myself, the things that have happened unto me, have happened for good. They've helped. The psalmist, as we mentioned before, is good that I was afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Could see that their affliction had worked for good. And so when we ask that let thy judgments help me, part of the judgments of the Lord are his dealings in providence, those things that come in our lives, not by chance, but come by divine appointment, as our teachers, thy teachers shall not be removed into a corner anymore. Those things that work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according uh, to his purpose. When we think of the book of Esther, it began very perplexing, very dark, with a sentence of death, but then that sentence was turned to life and to joy. And Esther's petition, not just for herself, but for her and her people, was life. They were under the sentence of death. They were given life. How does that book end? It is praise. And really the whole book, it points to the reason for that yearly offering of thanksgiving in Purim. That great dark trial resulted in real praise, not just once, but year after year. They could say, Thy judgments have helped us. Thy judgments in bringing these things and appearing for us in our trial have been the means of not only giving us life, but giving us praise as well. It's good when we are able to see when the Lord has judged what shall come, what shall not come, how a trial should work out, how providence should be, and they work for good. We think of chastening. The Lord's judgment is that his dear children shall not be cast away, but when they transgress, then he'll bring the rod. And no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, where there is that exercise to them that are exercised therewith, there shall be that end of righteousness. And so there is to be life brought because of that affliction, because of that chastening hand. 
and a soul under that chastening will be able to see that the Lord bring that, the Lord judging that that is necessary, has actually helped them, helped them to bring life. Remember Hezekiah says, in all these things is the life of my spirit. He is able to see that, that these things actually helped him. Now God can just give life, and life, eternal life is a gift, but he uses means. By grace you say, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So God's dear children are saved through faith. God gives them faith. And that faith is used. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We think how God's people are kept by the power of God unto salvation. No, there's a word left out there. Through the power of God, through faith, unto salvation. So the Lord is using the means of faith. And the Lord uses means to quicken his people into life and to bring about praise and honour and glory. And many times, like in account after account in the scriptures, that praise is because they were in great trouble and the Lord delivered them. He heard their cries. He heard their prayers. He saved them. He gave them life naturally and gave them life spiritually as well. It's good then if we are able to come with the psalmist here and offer up prayer in this way so that we are anticipating the effect of the life of God given us in our souls. And we are anticipating as well that the Lord will make things in our lives, in providence, work together for good to this end. And it's a blessed thing if we can even discern in those things that are cross-handed blessings that here is what keeps our souls in life. At the end of Psalm 107, we read, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And it is through those things where again and again they are brought low through oppression, through sin, through weakness, through trials, and they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivers them out of their distresses. And it is in these paths in these paths of exercise and burden that we learn the truths of God. We must not learn God's truth as schoolboys learn their task, but we learn it by experience. We experience the truth of God, experiencing what it is to feel dead and lifeless and cold, experience what it is to receive fresh life from the Lord, and to experience the difference where that then teaches our tongue to sing his praise and to delight in him. And we experience what it is to go through things and we bless the Lord for them because we can see the Lord has used it for good. And they are tangible things. You know, if blessings were just spiritual blessings, save the Apostle Paul, was to just be left to testify the wonderful vision 
he'd had on the Damascus Road. We could join with Festus and say, Thou art mad, much learning doth make thee mad. But the Apostle would say, Well, whatever you might think about the vision that I had on that Damascus Road, it certainly made a difference. I stopped persecuting the people of God. I joined with them. I love those that I once hated. I am now persecuted as they are. And I preach Jesus Christ, that name that once I hated. If there was nothing done on that Damascus road, then what made that change? What made that difference? We may say as well, if the Lord never gave me life, why did I praise his name? Why under those sweet blessings and visits of his face was I constrained to walk in his ordinances or to follow him and to go in providence to places and do things I never would have done otherwise? And we're able to look at those things like we have in the book of Esther, real events that are recorded and set down those things in providence that aren't imagined. They aren't just cunningly devised fables. They are what the Lord has done. This is the Lord's doing and is marvellous in our eyes. And we've been part of it. We've seen it. And it's brought life to our souls. And we've rejoiced in the Lord and given him the praise and honour due unto his name. Or may we go from the Lord's house this evening with at least a prayer, let my soul live. And may there be that anticipation and our prayer continue as well, let thy judgments help me, help me in life and help me in praise. But answer this petition like Hezekiah had his answer, Lord give me my answer. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee and let thy judgments help me. Amen.